Praise the Lord Jesus. So today, just grateful one more time for an opportunity to be in the presence of God, to be in another fasting service where we can truly just spend our time seeking the face of the Lord. Um, I believe that the Lord is with us this morning and that um, he has something to share with us. I just want to greet my pastor, Pastor James, his family, the entire ministerial team at Faith Deliverance and all God's wonderful, wonderful, beautiful saints, uh, and especially to our visiting friends that are here with us this morning. Um, I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, This morning is a morning of thanksgiving. It's a morning of praise. The Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And so this is a commandment. It's an instruction. Hallelujah. So we could just take just a few seconds just to rejoice and just to be glad in the day that he has made. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day. We magnify you. Hallelujah. We bless you. We honor your holy name, God Almighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be glorified in everything that is said, in everything that is done today. Hallelujah. Let the day, hallelujah, Lord Jesus, be a good day, Lord Jesus, that all praise would go to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Wherever you are, if you could just clap your hands. Hallelujah. Unto the Lord. Let's give him a shout of praise in your space, in your room, wherever you may be. Hallelujah. Let's just open up our mouths and bless his wonderful name. Hallelujah. Bless his awesome name. Hallelujah. 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 Something good happens when we magnify the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This morning, bless the Lord, we're just going to go right into the scriptures. We're going to consider a few scriptures today. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And we are going to first, bless the Lord, start with the book of Proverbs, chapter 4. We're going to just read a few verses and we'll look from the NLT, New Living Translation. Praise the Lord. And we'll start at verse uh, 7. The Bible says, Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Hallelujah. Take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. We need wisdom. Everyone say, God, please give me wisdom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And now we're just going to skip over to the book of 1 Corinthians 9, we'll look at one verse, verse 
24. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. Run to win. Praise the Lord. This morning, we're just going to speak from the topic, let nothing hinder you. Run to win. Bless the Lord. Oftentimes, uh, when we think about this Christian life, this Christian journey that we're on, for those of us who are followers of Christ, um, the Bible gives us various analogies and metaphors of the Christian life. Um, in some instances, the metaphor is that of a soldier going to war. And we're encouraged in some scriptures to be good soldiers and to fight the good fight of faith, to lay hold on eternal life. In other scriptures, it tells us endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And so we see that the, the being a soldier and being in a battle is one of the metaphors that, that the Bible writers will use to describe the life of the believer. Uh, we also see other analogies of this life as a gardener, as someone who uh, is in a vineyard, um, as reaping fruit and as gathering fruit and various analogies. But today we really want to look at the analogy of an athlete that is involved in a race. Paul, the apostle, tells us here in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, that in a race, everyone is running. Anyone that signs up for a race, they have made up their mind that they're going to run. And as we talk about track and field, Anyone involved in track and field, especially in the, in the track events, they understand that once the gunshot goes off or once the sound is made for them to start the race, there's only one thing that they must do, and that is run. Paul says here that in a race, everyone runs, but only one obtains that prize. And he says, so run to win. What causes us to run in this race, but not to win? We really want to look at some of those things. What would it be that would cause us to be disqualified or to, to lose after all of the vigor, after all of the effort that we would have expended, after all of the energy that we put into this race, into this Christian walk? What are the things that will stop us from reaching that goal or from obtaining that prize? And so Paul, as he gives us this analogy, he also speaks about his own Christian journey, his own Christian race uh, to the church that's in Philippi. And in the book of Philippians chapter 3, Paul speaks about his, his own life. And that's one of the things I love about Paul is that he's not just coming to give a lecture and coming to teach on different principles that he's learned, but he also gives us some self-disclosure. 
He's very transparent with his own life. And this is very important because one of the greatest ways to learn is to learn by observation, is to learn by being able to see a practical um, uh, teaching or a practical um, example of what it is that you're trying to learn. And so Paul teaches us now about his own race, about this race and what it uh, is comprised of and what attitude we need to have. And in the book of Philippians 3, the New Living Translation, he begins and he opens up by speaking about some of his own personal experiences. He speaks about uh, his, what I would call BC life, before Christ. And he talks about some of the things that he once associated with success. The things that he, when he measured it, when he looked at it, he thought that he was obtaining the prize. He believed that by doing some of these things and by living this way, that he would obtain the prize, which would be eternal life. Uh, there was a young rich ruler who came to Jesus and he says, Jesus, listen, I, 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 I want to win this race. I understand that I'm in a race and I understand that the prize is eternal life. But I want to understand, is there anything that's hindering me? It seems that you know uh, very well, you're able to take an introspective look into people's lives and to help them understand what's missing or what's lacking. Uh, I'm told that you were able to read people's thoughts and read people's minds. I'm told that you were able to give wisdom that our scribes and our Pharisees, the teachers of the law, weren't able to give. So I, I just want to understand. I'm, I'm looking at you right now as the track coach. And I, I want you to tell me, correct my form. Tell me if there's something that's missing because I'm running and I think that I'm running well, but I just want to confirm with you, Coach Jesus, if I'm running the race well, if I'm, if I'm on my way to obtaining that prize. And so this man was willing to uh, speak with Coach Jesus. And Coach Jesus says, all right, well, let's observe um, your strategy. Let's observe your form. So tell me, have you been following the commandments? This is the first thing that we have to look at is making sure we keep the commandments. And the Bible says that the commandments is what will lead to life. So he says, yes, I've been doing very well with that, Jesus. I, I've been following every commandment to the T. If you check my form, it's, it's superb. Uh, okay, you know the commandments. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not commit adultery. He says, yes, you don't need to go on any further. I'm, I'm doing all of that just well, perfectly fine. So he says, all right. So you're following them all. Well, that sounds good to me. And he says, oh, but he says, Jesus, one more thing. I've been doing this from, from I was young. From a, from a young boy, I've been doing this. So by this point, I'm an expert in keeping the law. And Jesus looks at him and the Bible says he loves him. He sees him for who he is. He knows him. And he says, and it's important to understand that 
when it says that looking on him, he loved him, he knew him, meaning he was able to see into his life. And as he's looking at him, Jesus says, all right, I was able to review, I looked at your performance in the spirit. I was able to see exactly how you've been running. And there's one thing that has come back as missing. There's one area that you need to work on if you want to obtain and inherit eternal life. And he says, what is it? What is it, coach? I want, I want to know because I have to win this race. And Jesus says, the one thing that you're lacking is the biggest thing. It's actually the most critical thing in your life. He says, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and take up your cross and follow me. I want to, I want to bring you, I want to induct you into my coaching training session. Take up your cross and follow me. Before you do that, I want you to get rid of all of the baggage, all of the excess weight, all of the teaching that you have, that you have been heaping up, thinking that you had it right. If you want me to show you how to win, then I want you to let go of all of that. What are the things that are holding us back this morning? What are the weights that are holding us back from inheriting the promise, inheriting eternal life? You see, because sometimes we don't even know. This rich young ruler, he thought he knew what was going well. He thought he knew that he was doing well. He thought that everything was good. But it's not until he sat down with Jesus and Jesus reviewed his game tape and reviewed his strategy and reviewed how he's been running and Jesus was able to pinpoint his greatest flaw, possessions riches he says this one thing i have a strategy to help you break free from it sell everything that you have why jesus why would i sell everything that's what i've been relying on i i i need those things those are the things that give me peace and bring me comfort but jesus says if you don't rely if you don't step away if you don't remove those weights from your life they'll cause you to stumble Jesus says, once you sold everything, that means now that he has the money. Because if you sell, you receive a profit. But he says, now that you've sold everything, I, I don't want you to start <laughs> trying to buy things back. But what I want you to do now is to give it to the poor. Meaning I want you to empty yourself. Because if you want to run this race, you're going to have to be so light. You're going to have to run so light that there will be no excess weight holding you down. And I can see, young man, that this is a, a huge weight upon your body. So Jesus says, I want you to let go of it. Give it away. And now take up the cross. And as Jesus tells him this, the young man looks at Jesus and he says, mm. Doesn't have anything, any words to say, but his expression speaks volumes because he looks at Jesus sorrowful. Immediately that, that spirit of excitement because he felt so confident turned into sorrow when he realized that Jesus had just 
taken out the foundation to the very house that he was living in. Hallelujah. That house of covetousness. He has now removed the foundation. And the man says, if I give everything away, I'll have nothing. And so Jesus says, how hard will it be for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven? How hard will it be for him in running this race to obtain the price, the prize? Although he's running, it will be of no good because he won't be able to obtain that prize. He looks at his disciples and his disciples say, Jesus, then who can be saved? Who, who can win this race, Lord? Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, with men, it is impossible. Of your own strength, you will never win this race. If you're looking to your own strength and resources to win this race or to, to continue seeking after God, Jesus says to, him, to them, it's impossible. There's not even an inch of possibility. But he says, with God, all things are possible. And so now, as we look at this race that's ahead of us, is there anything hindering you? The rich man, he recognized what was hindering him, but he was not willing to lay it aside. He was not willing to let go of it. And so now he's recognizing that he's going to continue running this race, but, but knowing that he's already disqualified. How tragic is it to run in a race your whole life, to be after one thing your whole life and then to be disqualified because you've made a choice not to run according to the rules. How many runners started off good? They started off running well, but in the middle of the race, their legs crossed over the line that was designed for them, the lane that was created for them, and they end up in another person's lane. And end up being disqualified. Which lane are you in today? Whose lane are you running in today? Are you looking straight ahead of you? Are you looking straight in, into the eyes of Jesus Christ? Or are you running based off of the person beside you? Well, I see that this is how she's living. So I'm going to do that too. Well, I see that that's how he's doing, his, he's doing it. So I'm going to follow him too. Well, I see that this man... He has his business and he has a next job. He has his two houses that he owns and his property. And I see he still worships the Lord. And he seems like he's saved. And he seems like he's doing well. But is that your lane? Is that the lane that Jesus wants you in today? You see, it's important for us to know. Because Jesus is the one that will look at us. He's the only one that can tell what it is that we're lacking. Another man may have no problem with the riches that God has given to him. Because whenever God says, listen, there's a man across the street with a need. Please go and give him. That man might say, Lord, all of this is yours. So whatever you ask, I'm giving it. But God may look at me and say, I know that that is still an idol. So I need to clear out the idols out of your way so that you are able to run and run well. So we see now that 
this young man was disqualified because of his possessions. What is it that you possess today that will cause you to be disqualified? Sometimes it's not material things that cause us to be disqualified. Sometimes it's those secret matters of the heart. Those things that not even our husbands or wives know about us. Sometimes it's those little foxes that spoil the vine. Sometimes it's a spirit of arrogance. It's a, it's a subtle pride that when we look at ourselves and we look at others, we're constantly comparing. We're constantly looking at others to make sure that we measure up and above them. And so when we look at them, we, we put them down in our eye. We may not say anything, but we look upon them in disdain and say, mm -hmm, I'm better than that one. What is it that is within? Is it a spirit of discontentment? Are we running this race, but we're not content with what we have? Are we, are we content with who God made us to be? Are we content with the life he's given to us? Oftentimes we may be looking to somebody else and thinking, if I could only be like them, then I'd be in a good position. I, I want to be in their lane. I look at the lane one, lane two, lane three, lane seven. They seem closest to the end. They seem closer to, the, to the, 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 the goal that I want for myself. Because now our focus has shifted to another lane. We've now missed the prize that is ahead of us. And so the Lord is examining our hearts to say, how are you running? What's within you? Are you content? The Bible says that there are those that will teach that gain is godliness. And this young rich ruler would have, would have held that kind of teaching. He may have seen many of the, the, the Pharisees and those men who were making themselves rich by the offerings that were coming into the house of God. And said, you know what? This is the model that I should seek after. But Jesus says to the Apostle Paul that godliness with contentment is great gain. How do you define gain in this race? How do you define the prize in this race? Godliness. Paul says, you have taken nothing into this world. When we came in, we came in naked. We came in with no baggage. We came in with nothing with us. And the Bible says it is certain that when we leave, we'll leave the same way. What can we take with us when we're heading off to eternal life? Which credit card can you bring with you when you leave this world? Which bank account can you transfer over into a heavenly account? He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. He continues and says, having food and clothing, let us therewith be content. Now that may be a big surprise because I would have thought having food and clothing and a house and a car and a boat 
And I and, and I I think I need that extra, you know, that side thing. Yeah, I I I I have a house, I have a car, but I, I need I need something else. I, I need a motorcycle. You know, there's all of these different things that we want to add to our list of needs. But sometimes our list of needs are really just our list of greeds. What is it that we're greedy for, that we're lusting after, that the Lord is saying, remove from your life, strip it off, make a straight path for your feet that you can run. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. He started out following the law of Moses, following every commandment, just like this rich young ruler. He thought he was doing so well. He tells us in Philippians 3 that he was of one of the strictest religious sections in Judaism, which was he was a Pharisee. He was one of them who understood the law. He could quote it to you verbatim if you asked him. He lived in this. He wasn't distracted with the things of the earth. He was focused day and night on the word. But yet, there was one thing that he was lacking. He did not know who God was. He did not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And so he's running this race and he thinks that he's striving towards the end line. He's getting, he's so passionate that he tells us in his resume that he was more zealous than any other of his companions. He looked at the other Pharisees and says, listen, you guys are joking. When I look at how strict I was in following this, this training, when I look at how strict I was in persecuting even the church, I saw them and I realized they're following a false God. They're worshiping an idol. And so he was so, he became so passionate that he would kill them wherever he found them. He would bring them to prison. He would cause them. In one scripture, it says he would even force them to blaspheme Jesus. And he thought that he was doing well. He thought that he was running well. But the Bible tells us that one afternoon on his way to Damascus, which is in Syria. On his way there, the Bible says that a great light shone from heaven and he began to speak. And as Paul was knocked to the floor, the very force by which it shook him, he knew that this was Jehovah. He knew that this was God. When he felt that shake, when he saw the light that was brighter than the sun shine on him, he knew that this was no ordinary encounter. This was the very God that he's been worshiping his whole life. He heard the voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why is it that you're tormenting me? Shocked, he says, who are you, Lord? I thought I knew you, but if, if I'm persecuting you, then how have I done so without knowing that it's you? Jesus says to him, I am Jesus. The one God that you have been calling on every day. I am Jesus. He says to his spirit, I am Jesus. 
and that one recording, that one voice note that would play over and over in his mind. I am Jesus. Paul holds this doctrine. Paul holds this voice note. And he says, this is the prize. All I want is to know Jesus. I thought I knew him my whole life, but now I realize I don't know him. I want to make sure that I'm aligning myself with him and him alone. Paul says, Jesus, what do you want me to do? He, he's not sorrowful now. He's not, he's not going away with his riches. He's not heading back into Damascus with his letters, ready to persecute the church. He's not moving like the young rich ruler after having this encounter. Hallelujah. But no, he's looking at Jesus and he's saying, what do you want me to do? Correct my form, Jesus. What do you see that's off, Lord Jesus? Show me where I've gone wrong. What's missing from my diet? What's missing from my training? What's missing from my personal and private prayer life? Show me Jesus. Jesus says, good. Now I have your attention. I can train you. I'm going to use you. Now that you're ready to follow instruction. Are you ready to follow instruction? Jesus says, and Paul is saying, yes, Lord, I'm ready. Jesus says, good. Now you're blind. I want you, now the encounter was so powerful that he was blinded by it. Now he has to understand that following the voice is what's going to make the difference. As believers, we don't have a physical Jesus to see and follow anymore. But his voice makes the difference. It is through the word and through his spirit that he's guiding us. He says, how be it when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Do you feel as you're being guided this morning? Are you being guided by the spirit of truth? Paul says, Jesus says, now that you're blind, I want you to go to a man named Ananias and he will tell you what to do. Because instruction always requires humility and obedience. Humility and obedience. If you have obedience before humility, you're going to end up obeying with a spirit of pride. Sure, I'll do that. Fine. Just like someone gets a job, they feel they're overqualified. You know them. Yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, I know, okay. They're ready to type. They're ready to go before even receiving the instruction. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. No humility. But Jesus had to knock him to his feet and allow him to understand that if you're going to follow me, you have to be humble. So he says, go to Ananias. And while he's going to Ananias, he's blinded. Three days, no light. Because, because Jesus wants to teach him how to run. This might sound like a paradox. It might sound that doesn't make any sense. But the best runner in the kingdom is a blind runner. It's one who can't see his way. But has to allow the spirit to lead him. Jesus did nothing until the spirit showed him what to do. And so Paul goes to Ananias and he waits in blindness. And Ananias says, Paul, 
It's time now to receive your forgiveness of sins. You're obedient to the Lord Jesus and you came to me. One who before you would have killed. One who before you would have took me out. But now you're bowing at my feet to hear the instructions from the Lord. My son, listen to instructions. Keep my words, Proverbs says. This is true wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Paul now goes with the fear of God deep within his heart and says, yes, I'll do it. After he's baptized in the name of Jesus and his sins are removed. Now the Bible says his eyes were open physically. But spiritually, he's still not trusting himself. He's still not depending on his own skills. I read recently of a young man who was the fastest track athlete in the world that's blind. And his name, I believe, is David Brown. When he runs, he has to run in his, each event that he runs in. When he runs, he runs with his trainer. And when that trainer who can see the track, who can see the finish line, runs with him, then he's able to run well. And while he's running, he's not running with his own strength. He's literally, he has his finger tied to the other runner, to the trainer's finger. And so they run in stride together. Those who look on some of the sports analysts that watch the race say it looks like it's one person running. They're running in sync to such an extent that when they see them, they see one. When they see us, do they see one man running? Do they see us running in stride with Christ? Hallelujah. Are we running in step with our Lord Jesus? Is our steps following his steps? Do we follow his steps of obedience? Do we follow the steps that he gave us on how to forgive? Are we running in that same, at the same pace of forgiveness? When Jesus says, forgive your neighbor, your brother, 70 times, seven times a day. When our brother, when our father, when our mother, our wife, our husband has sinned against us or has offended us. Are we running at the same pace that Jesus runs? When he says, forgive quickly, forgive quickly. When you sin, I forgive quick. I forgive you right away. I don't waste any time. Come on. You have to keep pace with me. Yes, I know that it hurts. I know the pain is deep there. But in order to stay in pace with me, you have to forgive them right away. How long does it take us to forgive? Jesus is saying, I, I need you to keep up with me. How long does it take you to let go of those things that are, that are holding you down? Your expectations of those who you think should have done better. The problem is not with the strangers. It's with those ones who are closest to us. It's with those ones who, who know what we're going through and still hurt us. How quick can we forgive them? Jesus says, I, I, we're in a race here and I, I need you to keep up. The man says, you wouldn't understand how difficult, how much it, 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 how important it is to rely on someone else when you can't see the way. How much of our strength is being invested into Jesus? How much of our intellect, how much of our knowledge is being invested 
into trusting him. He's the only one that can see the finish line because he's the only one that's crossed it before. Jesus Christ crossed the finish line for us. And so now he's saying, if you just run in pace with me, if you just, if you just look to me every time that you feel weary, every time you feel tired, but Lord, I, I can't, I don't feel I could do it anymore. Don't run on your strength. I'm pulling you. Come run with me. But Lord, I just feel like there's so many people that have abandoned me, God. So many people have left me. They've left me like they dropped me so quick and they're gone. Don't worry. Don't focus on another lane. Stay in the lane with me. Stay in the winner's lane. I have a prize for you. If you just keep on following me, keep on, look at me. I want you to look at me. I want you to focus on me. I want you to focus on what I've done. I want you to focus on, on how I treated people when they betrayed me. When they, when they spoke all evil words against me. I want you to focus on how I treated them. Look at how I treated Judas. After Judas turned his back on me. I want you to focus on that. And so Jesus now is our model. He is our example. Are we following him? Paul says, I have one thing that I focus on. In the book of Philippians chapter 3, it says, forgetting the things which are behind me. I can't afford to allow my past to determine my future. I cannot allow my past to determine my future. Because if I continue to look back at the things that have gone wrong, at the things that I failed at, sometimes it's our past failures that are guiding us. Who is running with you? Is it your past failures? How many, how many times do those failures speak deeper than the voice of God into your spirit? So I stop trying. The spirit of failure is something that comes to cripple us. And so I don't try. I'll run, but I'm not going to put my all into it because I don't want to fail again. And so I'm constantly preparing myself to fail. And so I don't give all my energy because all my energy I've already given to failure. But Paul says, forgetting those things that are behind me. I have to forget them. Because if I allow my past, uh, my past is, is, is the worst. I killed Christians. If I allow that image of me uh, allowing those stones to puncture Stephen's lungs as I watched them stoning him to death and I was jeering him on, I was saying, yes, continue, stone him again. If I allow that image of his blood that's pouring down his face, that failure to, uh, to, to continually grip my mind, I won't keep running. But Paul says, the, 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 the young rich ruler, there was one thing that he lacks. But the one thing that he lacks is the one thing that I'm after. He says, the Bible says in Philippians 3, he says, that I may know him. 
The one thing that I want is to know Jesus. I want to know him in every aspect of my life. I don't just want the good. I don't just want the, the success of Jesus. I want to feel, I want to experience the suffering. I want him to teach me when I'm going through suffering, how to suffer well. A part of the Christian race is suffering. There's a part of, of the journey. And, and every marathon, there's different parts of the journey that are much harder to get through. There's going to be times where you feel like you hit a wall. Some athletes will say there's times where you just feel like giving up. And it's in those moments that you have to remember the one thing. There's one racer. He came from, from I believe, Tanzania and he went to run in, in Mexico City some, somewhere in the 1960s. And the, the person that came first place ran finished. This man came over an hour later running past the finish line. When they asked him, what caused you to keep going? He says, my country didn't send me here to start a race. They sent me here to finish the race. So, so it doesn't matter how you started the race. It doesn't matter how many times you fell down in the race. Because the Bible says that a just man, the, a, a, a righteous man will fall seven times. But he will get back up again. How many times have you gotten up? How many times have you allowed what you've gone through to keep you down? Jesus is saying, get up now. I've made provision for you. Now I want you to look at me. You know how many times I stumbled as I was carrying that cross. As I was carrying that cross for you, there were times I fell to the ground under the weight and the pressure of the cross. It was so heavy after the beating, after they mobbed me, after they pulled my beard, after they punched me in the face, after they whipped me and flogged me, after the blood was spewing, my energy was depleted. I was tripping up. I was tripping up. But they sent someone to help me carry it and I kept on going. Jesus knows what it's like to fall. He knows what it's like to stumble on his way to the finish line. You don't have to stop. Keep on going. You may have done something that you don't think God could ever forgive you for. But Jesus is saying today, I forgive you. Take back your cross and keep going. Don't faint. Keep on going. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter the sins that you've committed even against me, says the Lord. He says, keep on going. I have forgiveness. There's provision that's made for you. See it in your mind. See yourself holding on to the hand of Jesus. They say some track experts and psychologists say that when someone is running, athlete is running. What they train them to do, they, they train them with visualization. Visualize yourself crossing that line. But in this race, we're going to visualize Jesus. Hebrews 12 says, looking onto Jesus. When we get weary, when we get tired, the Bible says we have to look to Jesus. That's a practical step. Visualize him going through the process. And carrying us with him. There is a crown that awaits us. There is a prize that we have to press towards. 
but we have to be willing to let go of all of the things that hold us back. Hallelujah. What is it that you're entertaining in your spirit? Those thoughts that you have entertained. Will God still love me? Will God still want me? And sometimes what we entertain is what we've experienced. Because we've experienced our dad walking out on us. We carry that experience into this race. And we say, will God walk out on me? And that's why it's hard for us to commit because we're thinking that he's going to do what our father did. But Jesus is saying, I'm not like your earthly father. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Another strategy other than visualization is what they call cue words. They will keep a word in their mind. They will carry a word. When the runner's running, they have certain parts of the race that get so hard that they have a word within their mind to say, this part I'm going to get through. I'm a conqueror. I can make it. What cue words? As soon as you hit that hard place again, as soon as you hit that, play, that, that area of your life where, where frustration usually sets in and you can't keep going, you need a word from the karabasata, a word from the Lord to move you through that part of the race. You need a word to push you through. Whenever you get frustrated, upset, you know when the kids are on top of your last nerve. You know when your husband has just said something that caused you to go into a panic or to go into a depressed state you need a word a cue word that whenever i see that situation again i'm gonna recite the word i can do all things through christ that strengthens me someone needs to recite the word during the race hallelujah that's why the bible says we have to keep the word in our heart hallelujah so that we will be able to run the course well is there a word that is pushing you through the struggle that as you're weak, as you're tired, do you have a word? Keep on going. Keep on pushing. Keep on believing. Jesus is near. Keep on believing. There's nothing to fear. Keep on believing. This is the way. Faith in the night as well as the day. Keep on going. Keep on going. There may be people that will speak against you. There may be people that may turn their back on you. But Jesus says, keep on going. The race is not for the swift. Scripture says in Ecclesiastes 9, it's not for the swift. It's not about how fast you can cross that line. But all that matters is that you finish well. In the Boston Marathon 2013, there were people, as they were running, there were bombs that were going off. There was a terrorist attack that was going off in the middle of the race. Bombs were dropping. It was around 2.49 p.m. when the bombs were going off. And as the bombs were going off, still after the bombs were going off, 2.53, 2.54, people, they were so laser focused. They were so focused on the task of finishing the race that they were running still. They were still going while the bombs had just gone off. Instead of running off the path, they continued on the path because they said, I must obtain the prize. How many of us are willing to keep on going even when bombs are going off? Even when there's a death in the family, when a husband 
husband leaves me, when my child disrespects me, when my job drops me, how many are keep will keep on going when our hell is breaking loose, dropping bombs on us? How many will say, I must continue, I must keep karabakashata, I have to see Jesus? I have to keep on going. Paul says, I press. Press. That means there's going to be resistance. But every track athlete, they train. They do what's called resistance training. They'll put some bands on their hand and they'll run. They'll put some weights behind them and they'll run because they they understand that it's the resistance that develops the muscle. Some of us lack muscle because we're running away from the resistance. Every time the resistance comes, we step back and we stop running. But I want someone to understand it's the resistance that's going to develop your strength in God. It's those times that you go through hardships. It's those times when the devil's afflicting your mind. It's those times where you can't get a rest at night. Where you get demonic attack after demonic attack. It's those times that Jesus is saying, I'm developing your strength so that you can destroy the enemy. It was in the wilderness for 40 days, Jesus says, I couldn't trust my ministry until I went through some resistance in the wilderness. He went through the fasting and while he fasted, the enemy showed up to tempt him, to say, if you're the son of God, command these stones be made bread. Satan is always trying to provide for you an easy way out. Look around you, look at your track. Does it seem like there's an easy way out? Where is, where is it coming from? Where is your help coming from? We must go through hardships that is what the lord has called us to go through if we don't go through hardships we cannot be qualified as an athlete for this track speak to yourself i can do it because he did it not i can do it because i want to do it but i can do it because jesus did it let go of every thing that you think will help you get through and look to Jesus. The time is now. He's about to put in his appearing. We look around and we see we're almost at the finish line. Many people, it's sad because many people are dropping out on the last leg of the race. Many people were in a relay and Paul and Timothy and Silas and Barnabas and Peter and James and John, they handed on the baton and we're in the last leg of the race. And Jesus is saying, oh, come on, come on, come on, my son. Come on, my daughter. You're almost there. I'm about to put in my appearance. When I get there, if you just continue just to see me, continue to focus on me, continue to push. The pandemic is happening all around you. Yes, the bombs are dropping all around you, but keep on pushing until you reach that line. I know you feel like giving up. You haven't had a child yet. You haven't gotten married yet. No one's looked your way yet, but don't worry about that. Keep on focusing. Keep on looking to me. I'm about to come. Hallelujah. The trumpet is about to sound. Keep on focusing on me. This is the last hour. The last lap. Those 
who run well will finish well. How are you running today? Let nothing hinder you. Nothing separate you from the prize. God bless you and God give you the strength to run well and finish the race. In Jesus' name, I now turn over to our pastor. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely in the light of his glory and grace. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The things of this world will grow strangely dim. Hallelujah. When we have a focus upon the eternal one, the one that died for us, the one that shed his blood for us. What a word from the Lord this morning. Running to win. Let nothing hinder us. Keeping our focus on the prize. And the one who has called us to this great and marvelous kingdom. The one who not has just called us but is with us. Hallelujah. Who is carrying us through. This, these terrible times in which we are living. The one who will present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding great joy. Hallelujah. What we need to do is to keep our focus on him. Hallelujah. Running to win. Letting nothing hinder us. Hallelujah. 
uh, not avoiding the resistance, but when the resistance is present, understanding that there is a God who has presented or allowed these resistance to take place. And so these obstacles are going to allow us to become more mature and run in wisdom. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. I want us to unmute our microphones at this time. Uh, as, as Minister Longmore was preaching, the coming of the Lord is at hand. And we're running to win. We're running to receive the prize. Forgetting those things which are behind us. The things that hinder us. Hallelujah. Failures of the past. Hallelujah. The ugliness of our past. Hallelujah. Burying it under the blood. Let it stay under the blood and keep our minds focused upon the one who has called us into this great race that we are running. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to be praying at this time. We're going to be praying at this time. Asking the Lord to keep our minds. To keep our minds. Hallelujah. 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 In this evil world, to keep our focus, our attention upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's only a mind that is given to the Lord that can bring forth fruit. It is only a mind that is given to the Lord that will run even to the end to receive the price that was promised. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Won't you unmute our microphones at this time? We're going to be praying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not just for ourselves, but we're going to spend this time in praying one for the other. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Asking the Lord, hallelujah, to touch our brothers, touch our sisters. Hallelujah. Give them that focus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's not be selfish in our prayers. Let's pray for each other at this time. Hallelujah. Let us pray. 